Yeah, here we go again. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with Jimmy G with you till 1 o'clock. Breaking down the Montreal sports scene. Uh, we've got a lot to get to on the show today. We will be talking a little, little bit of soccer. We had some big news on TSN 690 yesterday, so I'll be talking to my broadcast partner, Grant Needham, just after 1235. Uh, really excited uh, to bring on Eli Rogers, former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, currently with the Montreal Alouettes, also spent some time in the XFL. Uh, we'll talk to Eli. Uh, the plan is to talk to him just after 12 o'clock, uh, and we will be talking to TSN 690's own J.P. O'Connor, who worked the game last night. With Sean Campbell, the Laval Rocket beat the Toronto Marlies 5-3, to but that's not the storyline, and that's exactly where I want to start. The Cole Caulfield hype train was chugging along going into last night's Laval Rocket game, and, well, it's full steam ahead after his performance against the Marlies last night. As if winning the Hobie Baker Award wasn't enough, the Canadiens prospect came out and showed off his signature one-timer on the power play. He made a Marley skater look absolutely foolish before setting up Xavier Willett's goal. And then, oh yeah, he added the game winner in the third period too. I was excited to watch Caulfield play in his first professional game, but I was a little worried about where the expectations would go if he did too well. Now, we're about to find out because he did really well last night. Will Caulfield stay in the minors much longer? Will he get an opportunity with the big club? Stay tuned to find out. Tudeman drop pass. It's going to be picked up by Jordan Wheel with that new stick through the middle. Left side. Over to Paling. Back to Wheel. Saved by Wall. It's in front and Caulfield couldn't find the loose puck. Back to Wheel. And it comes over to Caulfield. Shoots. And Cole Caulfield scores. 1-1. It's a first goal for Cole. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't have drawn it up any better. Um, it, was, it was a great pass. Um, we had the puck in the zone for a while, so... Um, obviously, I was just lucky enough to finish it, and uh, that felt good for sure. You're right. That shot doesn't surprise me. I spent an hour with him two days ago, and he had a few of those bar downs. So it's not luck. He's practicing it. He's good at it, and that's one of his, uh, his tools and his, you know, his skill set. Brook leading the way. He's driving towards the net, and he tries to stuff it in on wall, but that goes into the corner, trying to keep it in was Wheel, but it's back the other way. It's Patan. He's out there with McKenna, who's out on the box. It's back to five-on-five hockey. Chopped up and down the ice, and here comes Cole Caulfield driving towards the net. Quick shot. Rebound. He scores! Cole Caulfield gets his second. It's 4-3 Laval. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it was kind of a breakaway, kind of not, and um, just tried to put it on net, and uh, luckily enough it came back to me, and um, just put it upstairs. Yeah, I found it funny last night after uh, watching the Zoom calls, and that's how it sounded on TSN 690. Sean Campbell and J.P. O'Connor uh, did a bang-up job on the broadcast. And uh, Game 2 of the uh, Cole Caulfield-Laval Rocket era, you can watch it today on RDS uh, at 3 o'clock. But the thing that was funny was the amount of times that Cole Caulfield said, oh, I was lucky, or I was lucky the puck came back to me like you just heard there. Or even on the first goal, he mentioned that he was lucky to get it off or, and finish. Yeah, I don't know that there's a whole lot of luck that goes into that, to be honest with you. Just watching it, he wasn't intimidated by the moment at all. And I think you can see that shot, and you got to see it on that first goal, like we said. And then, you know, he doesn't necessarily, he's not a guy who, he's a trigger guy, right? So he's not necessarily someone who's going to carry the puck a ton. Uh, but you saw him, he got to carry it a little bit on that partial breakaway on the third goal, uh, which ended up being the game winner. And there wasn't really much of the net to shoot at because he was coming down the left side and the defenseman was kind of angling him out. But Cole Caulfield made it work and, and the assist. I mean, for a guy to have the confidence to, to deke a professional player in his first game, 
to set up, you know, a, a Xavier Willett goal. I mean, it's just I, I came away really impressed. And I was in the building, I guess that was a couple of years ago now, when I think we just might have celebrated the anniversary too, when Ryan Paling had the three goals plus the shootout winner. Bell Center was rocking. I'll never forget that moment. I don't think Ryan Paling's ever going to forget that moment. But I think the difference was Ryan Paling's kind of came out of nowhere, right? He wasn't necessarily an offensive guy. With Cole Caulfield, I think everyone was expecting fireworks going into last night. And not maybe not necessarily the two goals and an assist, but you were, you were expecting somebody who was trigger happy, lots of shots on goal. But at the same time, you also didn't know what to expect just because he hadn't played in a couple of weeks and this was his first professional game. I came away impressed. I don't know how anybody can not come away impressed, but that's what I was mentioning off the top. Part of me going into last night was hoping that he was going to light it up the way he did. But another part of me was looking around and the buildup to that AHL game. I think it's the most anticipated American Hockey League game we've had since the Laval Rocket of have come to Laval basically and been the minor league affiliate of the Canadians. And it's all because of one guy. And so now that the expectations have been met for one game, the, the pressure is going to be on for him to keep performing. And then the pressure is going to, you know, it's inevitable. It's going to be on the Montreal Canadians to bring him up and, and give him a look. I don't know that I'm ready to bring him up just yet. Uh, again, I don't think, that having him finish the season in the minors is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, again, though, we don't necessarily we don't know if there's going to be playoffs in the American Hockey League or not. So it just might be, you know, one of those situations where he finishes out the regular season and that's it. But uh, I, I'm curious to see now. You know, game one was a huge success. This guy has a pedigree the, to, of scoring goals, and if he can keep that up and he can keep rolling, how quickly? Do they bring him up, especially now that, yes, UL Armia is coming back, but Brendan Gallagher is going to be out for an extended period of time, and he's basically one of your three best goal scorers on a team that does not have a superstar to put the puck in the net. It's, for the most part, done by committee, and yes, Toffoli's having a great year, and Anderson's filled up the net a bunch too, and uh, Gallagher was a big part of that, but when you don't have that elite guy who can score you know, in the blink of an eye and who can change the game in a hurry, the temptation to bring him up quickly might be there. And listen, the, the Canadians have brought guys up very quickly. Over the last few years, they haven't been shy about giving them an opportunity to play, perform, express themselves. Guys like Mete and Kotkaniemi, and the list goes on and on. They're not shy about giving kids an opportunity if they feel that the person can make them better. And right now, after one game, and look, look it is just one game, it's tough to get the sense that Cole Caulfield doesn't make the Montreal Canadiens better. I'd still, you know, I'm curious to see, like, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch this afternoon and I want to see now that you've played that opponent, you know, how do they adjust to you? Although it is a really quick turnaround. It's not even a 24 hour turnaround, but how do they adjust to you? And then how do you adjust to them? And again, this kid has done nothing but score goals his entire hockey career, but it's not going to be as easy as it was, and the results are not going to come the way they did last night on a nightly basis. I think he knows that, and I think the coaching staff out there knows that. I think management knows that too. So how quickly do the hard times roll, and is he going to be able to find solutions on the ice? 
and I, I know Joel Bouchard was talking about that leading into the game. And at a certain point, he was mentioning how you can coach guys up, but then you just have to let them play and you let, need to let them figure things out. And I think that's what he did with Caulfield. And I thought it was um, really cool just to see how excited everyone was out on the ice for him. Like after the assist, uh, you look at the uh, the smile that uh, Xavier Ouellette gave him uh, after he scored. I mean, it was, you know, you can tell the guys were genuinely happy for him. And sometimes, you know, it, it could be delicate. You know, jealousy could definitely set in. A guy who's making his debut all of a sudden grabs all the headlines and more people are paying attention and there's more media on the Zoom calls all because of one guy. And that doesn't necessarily sit well with everybody, but it just, it seemed like, you know, the rocket got the win. Everybody was in a good place and Cole Caulfield adapted to the pro game uh, pretty well. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, yeah, there is a big step. I'm sure you've heard many of our experts on TSN 690 say that because it's true. There is a big step between college hockey at Wisconsin and then jumping to the American hockey league for sure. But the other thing that, uh, takes that that helps you make that step is the fact that you do have quality teammates around you like you can say whatever you want about Jordan Wheel Jordan Wheel is a talented hockey player and at the American Hockey League level he's going to be one of the better players on your roster and I thought that they put Caulfield in a in a spot to succeed playing him with Jordan Wheel uh, as his center and you saw on the power play goal that first one it was a nice pass from Wheel over to Caulfield who set up the one-timer Everything was perfect. Everything worked to perfection. It looked like they'd been playing together for more than just that, you know, one plus period. And it all ended up working out. And it was the debut that I think everybody wanted for Cole Caulfield. And I'm, I'm again, I'm curious to see where this goes. I think you want to be as patient as you can. But if the Canadians continue to uh, lose tight games, you know, one goal games like they have this week, that temptation to find that, you know, one shot goal scorer is is going to keep mounting and, and they may be tempted to bring him up again look let's see what he does in the second game but the trade deadlines on monday so if you get these two games to break down caulfield and decide whether or not you think he's ready because if you don't do it after that i mean if you don't make a trade after you know before monday that's it the, your your solutions are coming internally so uh, again I'm, I'm i'm interested to see where this where this goes on Monday at 3 p.m., TSN 690 is going to have wall-to-wall -wall coverage of trade deadline day, and we'll be checking in with uh, the fine folks at Trade Center as well. But the Canadians have two games. They've they already one of them is done to evaluate Cole Caulfield, and now you have one more uh, this afternoon. And I'm uh, I'm interested to see you know if he is successful again, what ends up happening, and do does that maybe. Uh, take the pressure off Mark Bergevin to make a trade. Uh, of course, making a deal is not going to be easy uh, because the cap space is tight. Uh, the Canadians did have a morning skate already today, uh, and Yoel Armia was on the ice for the first time. Uh, but the same for Ben Sherrod, who I believe, I think I saw Chantal Maccabee of RDS uh, tweet a picture of him, and she said that he's not he doesn't have that cast on his hand anymore. So you know that Sherrod's making progress as well. So Sherrod coming back soon. Yoel Armia coming back soon, and the cap space is tight, it might actually be a quiet deadline day, even though Brendan Gallagher's on LTIR. Um, I threw it out there on Twitter. I, I, we'll get to our question of the day, uh, which uh, you can find on Twitter at Joey Alfieri or at TSN690. And it's you got two answers. you got two possibilities. If you could only have one of these things for the Habs, what would it be? A trade before Monday 3 p.m. or a recall 
of Cole Caulfield. And so far, through about uh, 20 minutes or so, uh, the majority says 57.5% say make a trade before Monday 3 p.m. And recall Caulfield is at 42.5%. Uh, one of the responses I got was uh, from a three-time Stanley Cup champion, the contributor on TSN 690. Aaron Ward says, you got to add a depth D. And I can certainly understand that because the Canadians are going to make a significant change to their lineup ahead of tonight's game against the Winnipeg Jets. And the change is that Victor Mete's coming out. I think we kind of all saw that coming. Uh, Mete's coming out and Otto Leskinen is coming in. So Leskinen is a left-handed defenseman like Mete, but he's going to play the right side. And I think that's where he's been playing with Laval uh, all season long. And he's having a really good season. I think he has like 14 points in 20-odd games. And so uh, he's been a solid puck mover uh, in the minors this year. He's had a really good season, and he's going to get an opportunity to play with Alexander Romanov. So Leskinen on the right, Romanov on the left, see if they can find uh, some chemistry and see if they work together. I think in fairness to Mete, it's kind of it's worked uh, for the most part since returning from, you know, since the team came back from that COVID pause. But clearly... Uh, the Winnipeg Jets is a tough matchup for Victor Mete. So I think that's why you're seeing him come out of the lineup. And so Aaron Ward thinks that a depth D makes sense. I definitely think that makes sense. I'm still a little bit concerned uh, about scoring goals without Brendan Gallagher. But I think in all likelihood, the most likely thing you'll see is the Canadians add a, a depth defenseman. And f I, I think uh, if they can, they probably want somebody uh, who's a right-handed shot, somebody who can play uh, their natural side on that third pairing. Uh, I'm looking at the trade bait list on the TSN on uh, the TSN website, and the first name that kind of jumped out at me, he's a little bit expensive, UFA to B, and he's a little better. Uh, I'm going to give him some credit because I think he's a little better uh, than a depth defenseman. Uh, but I think Brandon Montour out in Buffalo uh, makes a lot of sense. And I'm not sure, again, he's a free agent to be. He's only 26 years old. I don't know that Montour and Buffalo are going to be able to agree to an extension, so maybe uh, the Sabres want to make that move. Um, but he's at a $3.85 million cap hit this season, and so uh, Buffalo would have to eat some of that money, I would think. And, I, and even then, I don't even know uh, if the Canadians could fit him in if everybody's back and healthy. But if you can find a way to add you know, a quality right-handed shot defenseman that can play on that third pairing no matter who's there, uh, I think the Canadians might be tempted to add somebody like that. Maybe it's somebody who's not going to be uh, as good as Montour, uh, but I think that that's kind of the most likely scenario. If they do anything at all, I think it's probably going to be for a defenseman. But again, keep in mind, I think they like the way Kulak's played, even though it's led to Jeff Petrie having uh, less points and picking up less points. But it's going to be tough when Sherrod comes back because I'm assuming that they're going to throw Sherrod back up on the top pairing. And I'm guessing that Edmondson's going to go back with Petrie just because that's worked out. And if Kulak is playing so well, do you want to have, you know, Mete or you know, Kulak or whomever sitting, depending on the defenseman that you go out and get? So I think the Canadians might use this opportunity to make a tweak uh, before Monday. But at the same time, they're getting guys, they're starting to get guys back. And maybe the temptation is, you know, that those guys will give you that shot in the arm, so to say, that a deadline acquisition might be able to might be able to do. Uh, and so that's that's where I think we're headed. I don't think the Canadians are going to be busy, but again, yeah, it's not my job that's necessarily on the line. So uh, I think 
my preference is still a forward, but I realize that that's going to be tough to accomplish between now and Monday uh, without making a hockey trade or sending somebody back or shedding some salary. So I think the most likely scenario uh, is that you'll see the Canadians go out and just add uh, a depth defenseman. Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with you till 1 o'clock. Uh, we will. Jimmy G's here. Jimmy, what's going on? All is good. How are you this morning, Joey? I'm doing fantastic, Jimmy, because I've got some more questions. And you know what we do after 11.50. We try to stump the G. And try we didn't to do, stump I the thought, G. I thought I was going to get you last week. I'm going to be honest. And I was disappointed that you knocked uh, two out of the three questions out of the park. Uh, this week, I'm letting you know there's a baseball question. There's a hockey question coming, and there's a football question coming. So I'll let you pick the order when we get there, just after 11.50, because I know that you take off at 12. But I'm telling you that we have cranked up the degree of difficulty this week. I want to see you fail. Does it involve the son of the world boxing champion, like a Ken Norton senior? No, it does not involve involve Ken Norton. Thank you for that. I didn't think you would get that question last week, who's the only player to win three Super Bowls in a row. Uh, Ken Norton Jr., but you somehow managed to pull that off, uh, and I was very, very impressed by that, James. So uh, we will try to stump Jimmy G. We'll try. Just after 11.50, we will be talking to J.P. O'Connor in about 10 minutes' time. He was working the game last night for TSN 690 and got to see what the damage that Cole Caulfield inflicted on the Marlies firsthand, so we'll get J.P.'s take on that. And uh, But next, we've got some big news on the CF Montreal front and on the TSN 690 front. There's a lot to be excited about with the soccer season on the horizon. Who's the next player to become a household name on their roster? I'll tell you who I think you're going to love. This is Saturday Sports. Joey Alfieri on TSN 690. Your home of CF Montreal soccer is TSN 690. Welcome back to Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you uh, till 1 o'clock. We will be talking more about Cole Caulfield's debut with the Laval Rocket with our TSN 690 Laval Rocket hockey analyst J.P. O'Connor in just a couple of minutes. Uh, But did want to mention and uh, give a shout-out to CF Montreal and TSN 690 for coming to an agreement. A two-year deal, new broadcasting deal that starts April 17th uh, in, uh, in this year. Of course, that's just a week from today. Uh, and uh, the Montreal squad is going to be taking on Toronto FC in the 2021 MLS season opener. And uh, look, the CF Montreal made a lot of changes, and uh, there's going to be a change, a slight change to the broadcast booth. I'm going to be doing play-by-play on a full-time basis, and Grant Needham is going to be joining me uh, as my uh, color analyst, and we're really excited to get going. And I've been working uh, alongside Grant uh, with Rick Moffitt, since 2012, since uh, the impact came into MLS. Now they've evolved into CF Montreal, and I've gone from a sideline reporter calling the games part-time to doing them full-time, and I'm really excited for the challenge and the opportunity. It's unfortunate that they're not going to start the season here in Montreal, um, but uh, I do think that uh, this is a squad that can surprise. And I know uh, I've crossed a lot of people, especially the last couple of days, uh, who've uh, who've reached out and they want to know more about the club this year. And I got to spend time with a lot of the players recording uh, the two minutes withs that you sometimes hear. And so we've got a new batch coming through here uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, but I got to deal with a lot of the players, and there's a lot of the guys, the newcomers that you know aren't household names just yet. 
that I think fans will come to appreciate. And of course, it all you know it goes hand in hand with on field success. Uh, but the one guy that I think that the average soccer fan is going to fall in love with here in Montreal if he can get off to a good start, Bjorn Johnson. He's a guy who played uh, in South Korea. He's a kid born in New York, grew up in the States. Uh, he plays for the Norwegian national team. Uh, so is a teammate on the international scene of uh, Erling Holland of uh, Dortmund. But he, he's a guy, he's, he's a big dude. He's got a big personality, and he's that big target forward that CF Montreal have been looking for uh, for a number of years here since the departure uh, of Didier Drogba. And he's a guy that I think can hit double-digit goals this year, but he just he has the, the smile, and he's got the charisma. He's very good on the mic, and I think that if he gets off to a, a hot start, I think that that's somebody that CF Montreal fans are going to gravitate to and get excited uh, get excited about. Uh, there's all there's a lot of good players. I think Georgi Mihailovic was a nice acquisition uh, from the Chicago Fire. That was a big trade. Uh, he was among the assist leaders in MLS last year. Young player, uh, American international who's done well uh, at this level and on the international scene. Sanusi Ibrahim, young player. Won the Nigerian uh, Golden Boot in 2019, and he's only 18 years old right now. Uh, so I know that that's somebody who may not make an immediate contribution, uh, but somebody that the organization loves uh, long term and they love his potential. So there, there are some names. We'll talk about uh, that and, and how CF Montreal can surprise many uh, in the MLS community this year with Grant Needham, who will join us uh, just after 12. 35. Uh, so more soccer talking a little bit. We'll also be talking to Eli Rogers, former longtime Pittsburgh Steeler, now with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, he'll, jo he'll join us just after 12.05. But uh, back to hockey we go. How ready is Cole Caulfield for the NHL? We'll ask a former pro who just happened to be working Caulfield's debut last night. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Tudeman drop pass. It's going to be picked up by Jordan Wheel with that new stick through the middle. Left side. Over to Paling, back to Wheel, saved by Wall. It's in front, and Caulfield couldn't find the loose puck. Back to Wheel, and it comes over to Caulfield, shoots, and Cole Caulfield scores. 1-1. It's the first goal for Cole. Well, we knew that one was coming. We were been talking about it the whole night there, how he's able to find that quiet ice. He just missed coming through the crease earlier on the little tip-in, and that puck gets loose, comes right back across to him, and he's waiting. He's clapping his stick for it, comes right across, and makes no mistake on that. Wall can't get across fast enough for his first pro goal. Yeah, the only thing better than the goal itself was the analysis on TSN 690 last night. That was Sean Campbell and J.P. O'Connor uh, who brought you the call of that uh, of that game. Cole Caulfield, two goals, one assist. The Rocket win 5-3, to three, and uh, here to talk about that. Kind enough to join us on Saturday Sports, Joey Alfieri is J.P. O'Connor. J.P., what's up, man? How are you? Joey, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Uh, did that live up to your expectations? Like, what were you thinking going into last night? Well, I, I mentioned to Sean, and we talked about it a little bit uh, just as we came on the air, that that a lot of times when you're you're transitioning from uh, you know uh, whether it's you know you're going from uh, you know, the American League to the to the NHL or you're going from college or, or junior major to uh, to the pro game, that that it ends up becoming a little bit of a mental uh, exercise that you play with yourself because you know there's a lot of just great players at, at the next level. You know that funnel just keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter and on your on your trip to the uh, to the NHL and. And I think what you ordinarily see is that guys get out there and, and they you know reach into their 
into their bag of tricks and sometimes the tricks don't work and then you can kind of see guys sitting on the bench going oops I, I i better figure something out here and but i can but i can say that uh that that very much lived and exceeded the expectations and and i think what you saw there joey um and in campbell's call is that um you know he he, he just kind of did exactly what he's so used to doing and 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 that's finishing goals and it's and it's really difficult to do and uh for for him to be able to come in last night pot two uh you know Part two, get the assist, uh, win the Hobie Baker, and uh, my goodness, what a what a day! It's a day that you'll never forget, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I've look again the, the amount of minutes I've seen of Wisconsin hockey this year. I can probably count them on uh, on one hand. Saw them at the World Juniors, but uh, sure. I think I was impressed. Like the first, they got a power play early on, right? And they set him like he's not shy about letting that one timer go. You're talking about the tricks in the bag, but that's a heck of a trick. Well, of course it is, and and it's one that he's going to be he's going to be using a lot. And and what I like about it, uh, and, and I think that the Rocket were a little bit guilty of it initially, was that you know they were trying to force pucks over to him, and and that's yeah. great because you do want to get him involved right away. Um, but uh, once they settled down and got into a few more of their looks, and and the puck did make it over there to him eventually, it's not going over to him, Joey, to you know for him to handle it. It's going over them for him to finish it. Um, and he, you know he's got that one timer that uh, and the, and the release that is going to overpower uh, NHL goalies. I mean it's an NHL ready shot. It's an elite shot that he's got. Uh, but what I like most, Joey, about him is he's got a, a great uh, sense of timing, so that when he is he's not standing over there, a la Alex Ovechkin or right. Brett Hall, and he's stationary. More often than not, when he's getting those passes, he's actually closing. He's taking. Ice. He's taking time. He's taking space away from the goaltender to make uh, to make those saves. So he's not going to blow it past you from that one time position. He's actually going to blow it past you because you're quite literally not going to have time to react to it as he's closing in on you. He's just got a he's got a real knack for it, and and I think it's transferable. You know, and listen, I'm not trying to say he's a he's a 50 goal guy. That's not what I mean. But he's going to be a guy who is going to be able to tr- to take those skills. Uh, and translate them uh, up to the next level, and it's something that will be very much welcome on uh, with the Montreal Canadiens uh, if and when he gets there. Laval Rocket analyst JP O'Connor joining us here on TSN six ninety with Joey Alfieri with you till one o'clock. Uh, JP, just watching that outside of the the points, what kind of jumped out about his play? Maybe without the puck, or just his ability to forecheck at times, or cover for guys at times. Like, was there anything like that that jumped out at you? Well, there were certainly a few occasions uh, during the game when you know when he made some uh, smart reads or, or tracked the puck well back uh, into his own zone and uh, helped out his uh, you know his, his defensive players. And it's and it's not something unexpected. I mean, you you do have to be able to play uh, the full ice. Um, his his bread and butter is going to lie in that last sixty feet there from the blue line and in. But to me, what kind of uh, jumped out immediately was uh, I think there's a certain maturity that's happened over the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. um, there, you know when he was playing at Wisconsin in year one, I, I think that even though statistically he had a, he had a pretty good showing, I think there was maybe a little internal disappointment there in the sense that they had a, a team to do a little bit more and and. Uh, and I, and I think it's just uh, it's a matter of maturity. So there's an acceptance of, of what you can what you can do for sure. You know what you can do, it, uh, but what what do you need to do to complete it? And uh, I think that you know whether you hear Joel Bouchard or more importantly Tony Granado uh, from uh, from Wisconsin saying over the last year that that he's acknowledged that there's a lot of places that he needs to get better. There's things that he's got to get uh, 
that he has to kind of groove into his game um, and just give him more tools to be more successful at uh, at what you know the next level, be in the American League and then and the ultimate level after that at the NHL with the Canadians. So, you know, he's he certainly seems like he's open to being uh, you know coachable and and uh, and is he going to be a, a Selkie Award winner? No, and that's not the point. He's gonna he's gonna do he's gonna score goals and and it's it's as tough as it gets. Uh, that's as tough as uh, a task as there is to do. Uh, but if he is able to, to um, you know, get stronger in, in other areas, then it just makes that transition to the pro game that much easier and, and, uh, and makes uh, opportunities for him uh, to get out in the ice in, you know, last-minute situations or, or important times. Um, you know, it makes him a guy that can be out there quickly. JP, you played pro for a long time, so you know this better than I do. But the the thing that I'm really interested, the debut is great last night. I'm curious. I'm going to sit down at 3 o'clock, and I'm going to watch on RDS again here. I'm going to watch him go again. But you know as well as I do that pro teams, they adapt, and they adapt quickly to their opponents. And so I want to see how the Marlies adapt and how he can adapt to their you know, their ability to adapt. That That's of kind course. of what I'm looking for. And that's going to tell us how quickly he can get to the NHL, I think. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's, a, it's a really good point because, you know, we've seen it uh, a lot this, this year, Joey, with, you know, it, it's not like you're playing you know, teams once and, and then I'll see, you know, we'll see you again in December. We'll see you again in February. It's not that you're playing sets of games, not unlike the Canadians are doing right now. And Laval just got through a three game set with Stockton and they were clearly the, the, the better team. Uh, but by game three, there were some adjustments that had been made by the coaching staffs and, and a little bit of desperation by Stockton, who felt like they needed to get out of there with, with some points, out of Montreal with some points. And uh, and the adjustments were made. And so some of the guys, uh, you know, that, that they were skating around the ice and, and kind of having a having a good time at it, well, all of a sudden they found their, their time and their space closed down. And it's exactly the adjustments that uh, that the Mollies will make today. It, uh, against Caulfield and the Veilleux and, and Wheelwine, who had such a successful night last night. So what I'll say to you is that uh, I'm going to come back to a um, the development camp um, yep. a couple of years ago after he got drafted. And, and there was a few occasions where I quite literally had to stop and say, wait a minute, just watch his shift. Don't watch the, you know, don't watch the entirety of it. Just go back and, and or next time he's out, just watch him. And, um, and he does a couple of things that are very difficult, um, Joey, to, to kind of plan against. And he's, he's just got a, an ability to, um, when the defenseman is coming south, he's going north and he catches guys and, and pivots a lot and he finds himself with lots and lots of space and that is something as a defenseman that you can't really plan on because you have to play the game in its entirety you can't just single a guy out and and say i'm going to follow him around because at that point you're leaving gaps open all over the ice um so it's really tough to to plan for uh and when he's out on on a wing um you know he's 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 a tough guy to kind of pin down and uh, i think you'll see it uh, if you you know you sit down and watch the game tonight or as our listeners uh and, and watch over the course of the next uh the, you know the end of the season here and potentially even if he gets a few games up with montreal you will see that he just finds himself in these in these huge expanses of ice and that's where he's able to really take advantage of of that release and the shot that he's got TSN 690 hockey analyst JP O'Connor joining us on uh, Saturday Sports on TSN 690. So I'll, I guess I'll ask you to dust off the crystal ball. Do you think he gets a game here or a couple games before the end of the season with Montreal? 
Yeah, well, here's what I'll say is that um, that unlike the beginning of the season uh, in the American League when they were finally able to get going, that the games were just packed in there. That you know it was like a, it was like an every other day kind of thing uh, for the Rocket. And and strangely, right now they'll play they play Toronto last night. They'll play them again tonight. They'll get they'll get them twice next week, and then it goes quiet almost till the end of the month. So there's an opportunity there for uh, you know for for a recall uh, as early as next Friday. So we'll see how it goes, Joey. And I mean he, he might you know have three clunkers uh, where you really see the fact that he's transitioning from from being a college player to being a pro player and that's entirely possible um but uh you know if even if it means he gets a recall to the taxi squad and he, and he gets up and gets some you know some skates in or some practices and uh then i think we'll see but undoubtedly with uh in my opinion for uh for a recall to get a game i think he's going to get one just for the plain and simple fact that that the uh you know with gallagher being out uh a little bit of lack of scoring in in, in the lineup and the, just the sheer volume of games that the canadians are going to be playing between now and the end of the season i think that they'll get him in for at least a couple uh, JP, I've got one more for you. Otto Leskinen is going to play for the Canadians tonight against the Jets. He's paired with uh, Alexander Romanov. I know he's had a really strong season in Laval. What can you tell us about the way he's played? Well, he's been very much kind of the the the, the leader on the back end statistically. You know, he's he's right up there right now, and and this is after him missing a couple of games. But he's you know he's he's I think he's tied for second in points, and he's leading the. He's leading the league in assists for defensemen, and he's right up there for shots and, and plus minus. So he's been really, he's been really slick. Now the, the the adaptation coming over from from Europe is is difficult, and I and I think last year we saw flashes, uh, but he's just looked that much more comfortable this year. So his ability to move a puck is uh is his strength uh you know there's there's a little bit of offensive flair in his game where you know he likes to join and i and i think his skating ability will will uh will will let him do that especially with the canadians that you know we don't they we know they like to join the rush um but uh, physically uh that's where the challenge is going to be and you know a, a jets team coming in or staying here in montreal after the, after the last game um they're they're heavy and uh, so, you know, he's going to have to get the puck kind of in the same way that Mete does. He's going to have to, you know, separate guys and then really get in his horse and, and, and get up the ice uh, for him to be of value. But I think he's deserving of an opportunity to get in there tonight uh, because he's been, uh, I think, you know, he, along with uh, Olsen and, and Corey Schooneman, I don't think Schooneman's going to get up, but I think that Leskinen has been uh, deserving and, and he's the guy that I would have picked for a game. Hey, JP, thanks for doing with doing this with us this morning. We really appreciate it, and uh, great stuff last night on the analysis and all season long, man. Really, hey, uh, really well done. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Joey. Have a great day. Take care of yourself, man. That's JP O'Connor, TSN 690 Laval Rocket hockey analyst, uh, along with uh, Sean Campbell. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're not listening to the Rocket games on 690, you're really missing out uh, on a lot of insight. JP, as I mentioned, played uh, a number of years uh, in the American Hockey League and the East Coast Hockey League, has a lot of, uh, a lot of that... Uh, he knows what it takes to succeed uh, at the pro level, and uh, he's a treat to listen to, so we, re- we appreciate him uh, joining us on the show. Uh, but right now, we're going to go a little... We're going to go a little lighter and we're not going to, you know, decide uh, who the Canadians are going to trade for. We're not going to go after, you know, the, the target date of when Cole Caulfield needs to be brought up. It's Jimmy G's time to shine. You know what time it is, Jimmy G. It is it's about G. before you exit stage left. We're going to try to stump you. We failed last week. Can we get him today? This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Stump the G's coming up next.
Welcome back to Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri. With you till 1 o'clock. But Jimmy G tags out at noon. Matthew O'Hayan will replace him. And before Jimmy G goes, uh, we uh, like to play Stump the G. And uh, Jimmy, I, I cranked up the uh, the degree of difficulty last week. And you still got two of the uh, answers right. So, uh, I always yeah, I, I, decided, I decided to crank it up another notch here. Because every time you win... I get grief from our listeners. This audience, for some reason, wants to see you fail. That makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. I haven't failed yet, so I'll have to fail at some point in the future, and hopefully it's not today. All right. Before uh, we get to the uh, trivia questions for uh, Jimmy G, uh, the, I want to get to our Saturday sports question, which you can find on Twitter at Joey Alfieri and at TSN690. If you could only have one of these things for the Habs, what would it be? You can get A, a trade before Monday at 3 p.m., or B, Recall of Cole Caulfield, 51, uh, 54.1% want a trade before Monday, and 45.9% want Cole Caulfield to be recalled. So uh, the, the results are, are pretty tight. We'll break that down. We'll continue to break that down for you uh, between now and the end of the show. But it is time for Stump the G. Uh, Jimmy, I told you I've got a baseball, a football, and a hockey question, and I will let you pick the order. Let's start MLB. You want to start MLB? Okay, yes. perfect. Between 1970 and 1980, only two pitchers won the Cy Young Award three times. I want to know who those two pitchers were. It was Jim Palmer and Tom Seaver? You're one for two. I will give you one more guess before striking you out on this question. See what I did there, striking you out? That's true. Uh, let's see here. It, if it wasn't Seaver or Palmer, Steve Carlton won two in the 70s and two in the 80s. I Between 1970 this. and 1980. Oh, 1980. So Steve Carlton. Okay, there you go. Jim Palmer and Steve Carlton. Those are the correct answers, Jimmy G. Because I thought you meant 1970 to 1979. That's that why. That was, trick. Said, that, was, that was the trick. That was the trick. Two in the 70s. Yeah. That was the trick. I did not fall for it. You Well, you kind of did. I had well, to I got one it. But I'll give you, I'm going to give you credit for it. Don't worry about it. Uh, you want football or baseball or uh, hockey next? Uh, give me NHL. NHL. All right. You're actually you're asking for them in the exact order I wrote them down. Oh, perfect. Five players scored at least 400 goals during the 1980s. Five. Gretzky led the way with 626. Shocking. He's the only one who had more than 500. I want to know who the other four were. Uh, Peter Stashny, Michel Goulet. Uh, Peter are... Stashny is wrong. Michel Goulet Mich would have to be correct. Michel Goulet is second at, four, well, third if you count Gretzky, 438. Mike Bossy. 400 on the nose, he's fifth. So that's there's right. two more. Oh, that's two more, yeah. Here. You're missing number uh, two and number four, because Gretzky's one. Uh, Marcel Dion didn't have enough in the 80s. Nope, nope. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Yari Curry didn't have 400. Uh, yeah, Yari Curry would have had 400 in the 80s. He started Yari Curry, 474. He's number two behind Gretzky. You're missing number three. I'm number very three. impressed. Uh, let's see here. It wasn't Dale Howard, Chuck. Okay, let me see. Calgary, no. Edmonton, no. Vancouver, no. <laughs> How else would you do it? Uh, uh, Mario didn't have 400 in the 80s. Uh, let's see here. No, Pittsburgh, Washington, Islanders, un no. Underrated, underrated. It would have scorer. to be if I don't know. Uh, Boston, Buffalo. No, you know who this is. Uh, that's what I mean. I know who it is. I'm going through the teams. St. Louis, uh, over 400. Uh, you're going to have to tell me because when you tell me, I'm just going to be shocked. Mike I didn't Gardner know. had Mike four thirteen. Yes, yeah. yes. You got three out of four, though. Perfect. I guess. I, I guess the 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 
I don't know if I'm going to give you credit for this yet because three out of four is pretty impressive, but I guess it depends if you're going to get this last question right or wrong. NFL, I guess. Well, it's the only one remaining. Who is the only player in NFL history to record three interceptions in a Super Bowl? Well, that was uh, the Raiders. It was uh, the one where they beat the Eagles. Uh, (laughs) Let's see here. I know it was 1980. Jim Plunkett was the MVP. Goodness. But it was Martin, but I can't remember his first name. Rod Martin. Rod three Martin. interceptions off Ron Jaworski in Super Bowl fifteen. I'm gonna give you credit for that, Jimmy. Thank you very much. I'm that gonna say that today. you're I'm gonna say that you're perfect today. I'm gonna say three for three. Even though you didn't get Gardner, I'm gonna give you you got three of the four answers I was looking for. I thought I would made it more difficult. I clearly did not. Jimmy G, congratulations. Try harder not, next time. Try you harder. have not been stumped. Thank you very much, Joey. Way to go, Jimmy. Have you ever wanted to be in the huddle with an elite Super Bowl winning quarterback? Well, our next guest has had that pleasure, and he'll tell us exactly what that was like. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690.